Coming up on this edition of Locked On Wizards, we've got Stephen Michael Thompson Jr., a many man of talents working out of the DMV area. He's worked in H- with HBCUs in college athletics. He's the owner of Season Media, a digital content creative who has been working in sports journalism for years. And he's here on Locked On Wizards to get this week started as we talk college athletics in this college edition of Locked On Wizards. We're talking football and basketball here on the show. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday. Welcome to the start of a new week and the start of another edition of Locked on Wizards. I'm your host, Renee Washington, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Well, joining me to start off the week, we've got Stephen Michael Thompson Jr., man of many, many talents, a digital, digital content creative who is the owner of Season Media, has worked two to three years in sports journalism, working with HBCU Game Day, SB Nation, Fox 1340 out of D.C., Morgan State Athletics. You have done it all. Welcome. How are you? Thank you. It feels great to be on. I'm feeling pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to have you here. I know you've been heavily working in the DMV area, whether on the college side or the professional side. So I am happy to have you on because there's so much going on in sports right now. It is definitely an exciting time. We've got plenty to get into today, and then we'll have you back on Tuesday, of course, to get into some more around all things sports. So my first thoughts I have to get into, Deion Sanders, college football. Let's just talk. I mean, yeah, let's just get right into it. College football has been, I don't even know what word to use to describe, to be honest. I mean, we have the question of how they're going to return some, of course, we saw Some programs around college athletics are not returning. We'll get into that as well. But the news breaks, Jackson State with a new head coach, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, as he wants to be called, who is stepping in. I mean, what were your initial thoughts around him stepping into the college game and as a head coach? Um, From a financial standpoint, we could start there. It's going to like, it's going to make a lot of money. Um, A lot of people don't know the SWAC, which is Jackson State's conference. They lead the, the FCS and attendance and it's been going on for years so i know for sure the stands and the ticket sales and the promo that's going to be great in terms of on the field i just want to see what happens uh we in sports we always hear about giant hires we hear about we remember harbaugh from michigan he's won a lot but not a lot of important wins so for more for Dion, i know for sure Dion sanders can win some games he can fill stadiums his post-game press conferences will be very comedic. He will have a lot of sound bites. But in terms of winning, because when it comes to HBC sports down south, it's consistent trash talk 24-7. So if you're not winning or if you're not winning those championships or those division titles, you're not going to get a lot of respect in a lot of conversations. So really, outside of the financial standpoint, because that's going to be a positive, I really want to see if he can win First off, their division, because they've not won a division title in five years. And I want to see if they can win their conference, because they haven't won their conference since 2007. So Jackson State, outside of, you know, 
just the fun that comes with it. It's great for HBCU football. I really want to see if Dion can win and really grow this historical program. Walter Payton was a Jackson State alum. Jackson State has sent over 85 players to the NFL. That's more than some FBS programs. They have a very storied oh. history. But just you get just with me being very analytical, I want to see the wins and I want to see the trophy case fill up. If he can win a swag championship in his first year, then he'll he'll shut me up. But until then, I will kind of still just keep talking and just keeps inquiring to see if he's really about that action. I know that's right. I mean, uh, the biggest thing is there are so many layers to this. You know, people will will come see games because it's prime time. You know, you'll have more people that are paying attention. So now maybe some of those NFL players that are coming out of Jackson State won't go unnoticed. You know, won't won't slip under the radar. You know, we we hear about a name like Walter Payton, but how many names do we not know? So I do think for the publicity side of things and from like a PR standpoint, it definitely is going to be a big boost, but also just the fact that we always have the conversations when even on the professional side and talking around the Rooney rule and getting more diversity in head coaching positions on all levels. I know this is something I've talked with others about. There's not a lot of black head coaches in, in college sports, let alone college football, you know? So I think even from that standpoint, it's also incredible to have someone who obviously we know the history of prime time as, as an athlete and his legendary career that he has had, playing multiple sports, playing, you know, breaking, just making history in so many different ways to now be someone that is able to give back to the next generation. That's going to be huge. And even being at an HBCU, I mean, I, I, I love the hire. I think it's, it makes to me the most sense because why not go to a program that's very well known already, but to help boost them even more, like how do you go into like a big name already very heavily um, established football program I'm trying to think like a Georgia or you know like an of course Georgia Alabama Clemson first names schools but I'm talking about on that type of level that's that's prestigious known I think it 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 just he's just another coach but being that he's at a school that is is right there trying to get over that that hurdle trying to turn turn a corner an HBCU we have been seeing so much growth especially these last few months and players that are committing and going to HBCUs versus other schools, you know? So I think this is also just a big boost for so many reasons off the football field as well. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. I, as an HBCU alum, Morgan State alum, one thing I love about HBCUs, you can really go there and get molded and really make your impact. And when you return, your impact is still there. And from an athletic mm. standpoint, you made a good point about black coaches for me, majority of the games I've covered in the last two to four years have been HBCU games. So I'm, I'm used to seeing black coaches, right. black trainers, black SIDs, less than 10% of sports information directors from the D1 level are black, are people of color. So overall, in terms of having just that primetime influence, because really, you, you have the most swagged out player in NFL history going to a place where HBCUs mm. Every day is a fashion show. It's If it's game day, you have people putting on heels, you have people putting on Jordan. So in terms of just the primetime moniker, it's great for business, but overall, from a football standpoint, it will be very good to see some guys get some exposure because, of course, in a digital age with technology and Zoom and Huddle and Twitter and 
Tariq Cohen went from North Carolina A&T. He was running across the field at the Celebration Bowl two straight years on ESPN. He did some backflips, and he got signed by Chicago. Got He got re-signed before he got injured this season. But we all know in the recruiting process from a just a, a pro standpoint, college coaches kind of got some leeway. Are you going to believe Nick Saban or are you going to believe some guy down south? You don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, when it comes to having a voice that can talk to you, for you and really support you, if Deion Sanders says, yeah, this guy right here is good, our cornerback and wide receiver, when we know Deion played those two positions, I'm sold. So in terms of the players, right. his players is great. But also, I tweeted this when it first happened. From a recruiting standpoint, we kind of hear about when it comes to Ohio State and Michigan, for oh example. Gosh, yes. They always say, you want to be in Michigan? You want to be at Ohio State? Come come here. For If I'm Florida A&M, which is a new school coming into SWAC, if I'm Prairie View, which is defending champ, defending, um, no, if I'm Alcor State, the defending SWAC champions, Grambling, Eddie Robinson, one of the greatest coaches of all time, if I'm a powerhouse in the sweat i'm saying hey you want to come to our school you want to beat Deion sanders no dope will be to have a touchdown or interception on Deion's team and you get to brag about it so from mm-hmm. overall when in a conference where uh, they make so much money so much attention because of attendance you have this is fcs now a lot of fcs schools they have stadiums less than it's less than fifty thousand people and the South, for just to add some history here, they have something called classics where it's a neutral site game and you're fitting over 50,000 people in the stadium for one game. For example, Alabama AM versus Alabama State. Southern and Grambling, a value classic. It's been on NBC for decades now. So for, from a financial perspective, just exposure, anybody who steps on the field to play with Dion's coaching staff or against Dion, they're going to benefit. For sure. So overall, as just a typical HBC fan, as HBC alum, I'm very happy for this. I feel like when it comes to HBC athletics, we're getting more time on TV. We have the SWAC and MEAC. They play on ESPN3. They play on ESPN+. Plus. We kind of have that exposure. Plus, you get this with just the, the digital age. You're seeing more Division Three, Division Two, the FCS guys in an NFL. So I feel like that playing field is being even. And with if primetime at the helm and if he's saying hey this guy right here is good the playing field is super even so those guys that might because there's a misconception HBCs we do get top athletes but in the transfer portal that's a whole another conversation but instead of getting these top athletes in the transfer portal we're getting these guys straight out of high school so outside of just challenging Dion okay go win a track championship overall it's a win-win situation especially for Jackson State because actually they released tickets two and a half weeks ago, and there was literally now, mind you, we're in a pandemic. There was literally people lined up socially distanced to buy tickets. It's crazy. Wow. And it's just crazy. Yes. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, you look at that, the, the aspects as you're bringing up around all the publicity and all the excitement it generates. You know, so when, when news breaks, you have people that are like, you know what, I want to go, I want to go see Jackson State play. I want to go check out a game. I want to, I want to go see primetime. Now they're, now people are talking about the Tigers, but as you mentioned, it's not just talking about them. It's also now from a recruiting standpoint and from just an HBCU standpoint or any team that's on their schedule for the spring is now a matter of saying, you know what, you can come here and, and beat primetime. I like that. I like that. So it's, it's a recruiting um, element you can use on both sides of it. Of course, for Jackson State, we're going to see, 
you know, an, an increase in so many players that want to go there because not only are you getting, it's not just a matter of like a fame standpoint of, oh, I get to play with for prime time. No, it's the fact that, as you mentioned, this is a coach that's going to be going to bat for you. This is a coach that's name carries a lot of weight, that has connections, that knows whether it's coaches, trainers, former teammates and, and current players, whoever it may be that he can get you connected with to make sure you're getting the right workouts, getting seen, getting your name out there, getting your face and game out there. So I do think from that standpoint, there's such a big, it's such a big uh, boost behind being able to bring in Deion Sanders and having him sign that four year, $1.2 million deal that we saw him sign uh, earlier this weekend and having the opportunity to really step in and now make a name for the, for so many other players, whether they're directly playing on his team, playing against him and HBCU, because that's the other thing I I've coached college soccer. And I can tell you when you also play against other teams. So when you're playing against the team that you, you play every year that you also start to get to know, and you're watching those players grow over the four years, you also can speak highly on, although they're not on your team, come draft time, come combine time, best believe if they're asking, you've played against a guy for three or four years, you can also speak on, on his behalf. Yep. You know, so there's so many aspects that that and layers to it that it really is a big boost. And like you said, it, it just helps now already to see people lining up to want to watch, you know, they want to get tickets to be able to watch Jackson State play. That's just one of it's just a penny in the in a bucket of how many different types of ways this is going to benefit not only for Jackson State, but for college football, for HBCUs, for diversity, just for so many different levels. It's, it's great to see. So coming up, let's keep talking about college athletics, looking at college football. Yes, we know Deion Sanders will be coaching in Jackson State, but what about another coach? So coming up, we continue talking around college football, looking at another coach and news that broke earlier this week. Fellas, I know talking about erectile dysfunction probably isn't easy. Usually you may just brush it off or blame yourselves, saying things like you lost your mojo or making excuses like you had a long day at work or just avoiding it altogether. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple too. Just go to roman.com slash locked on NBA and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash locked on NBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash locked on NBA getroman.com slash locked on NBA. Renee Washington here on locked on wizards with Steven Michael Thompson, Jr., owner of season media, sports journalist, and digital content creative. We've been talking around college football, looking at Deion Sanders to Jackson State and what that will do for not only 
Jackson State and the Tigers, but also HBCUs and all college athletics. Well, let's keep talking around college football because news broke earlier this week around one coach, and that is Nick Saban. So earlier this week, we saw the news that Nick Saban, head coach of Alabama, did test positive for COVID. Now, of course, I, I remember actually when that news broke, and I'm like, holy crap, what does this mean for, for football? I'm like, oh no, college football's over. But then we heard later this week that not only was he tested again, but he tested negative and was able to coach. And he had his third negative test, was able to coach Alabama. All was fine. I mean, this, this you know, in itself was a little interesting to me. I'm not going to lie, because I was a little bit confused as to how fast he went from being positive to negative. But okay, sometimes there's some inconclusive tests and everything. But he did help lead Alabama to beat Georgia this past weekend. A big win, actually. Huge SEC win. But, I mean, for college football, should we be worried? I mean, at all about them. They're not bubbling. Of course, they have protocols and, and things in place. But we well, should we be worried? Let's just leave it at that. I'm worried. Um, let's start from the fans. I, when Texas A&M defeated Florida. Their whole 12th man, you know, Texas A&M has a great 12th man. It's on the stadium. Their, stand, their stands were full. When Florida State snuck out a win against North Carolina this past weekend, of course, just with the game, and I love the college atmosphere. We're shooting in the crowd. We got panoramic shots. There's people with no mask on very close. So from the first perspective, the fans, I think Alabama did a great job on Saturday night, this past Saturday night of separating fans, but stadiums like Texas A&M, Florida State, even Dan Mullen saying, oh, well, we played Texas A&M. They had fans, so we need we need to fill the gate. We need to fill the stadium. And now he piles up with COVID. So from a fan's perspective, I think it's not safe. Now, I feel like, you know, it you should bring some people in, but kind of filling up a stadium, not not really. From a coach's standpoint, we have to realize, even with um, Nick Saban, Belichick, Pete Curl, some of these older coaches from the NFL and college level, they're old. Nick Saban is an older coach. Unfortunately, I've seen during the COVID process where if you're older and you kind of catch COVID, it's, it's very tricky. Now, I'm happy that Nick is okay. He's a great guy outside of smashing every single team he faces. He's a great guy. Um, love him dearly. This past weekend, he defeated one of his assistants. Again, he, I think he's 21-0, 22-0 against his assistant. So in terms of football, Alabama did what he had to do. But I, I too... Because I have the rule, if you get COVID, you should at least take a, a week and a half or 14 days to kind of get yourself right. So I'm wondering, I said it back in my mind, somebody in that in the Alabama hospital or the Alabama legislature is like, oh, we're facing Georgia. It's money on the line. We got to make sure Nick Saban coaches this weekend. Right. So you're you're not wrong. I'm wondering what actually happened this past week to get Nick Saban up to date it to... Was- it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday that I, because I remember I was doing one of the Philadelphia Union games on Wednesday. The, um, I can't even think of what day, what the date was, the 16th, whatever it was, 14th, 14th, good Lord. And by f- Saturday, he's apparently has had three negative tests on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Now, I mean, I don't fully understand. Like there's, COVID apparently is trickier than we, than we, every time we think we've had it figured out, we realize we don't. 
And so he had three consecutive negative tests. Now, again, I could, I could maybe attribute it to being just a faulty positive, like a, a false, there's false negatives, a false positive. But again, I don't, I don't know. And the, the thing, as you mentioned, is this is to me more alarming. Okay, it's great he was able to test negative. I'm happy for that. But it's more alarming in the fact that we have so many stadiums, so many schools, so many franchises in the professional level that I see, I feel like, like you're saying, they're seeing like, oh, if this school is able to have fans, we can have fans. And everybody's just kind of pushing the envelope a little bit more and more and trying to, um, because they see someone else doing it, following in that sense, like, oh, one team is having fans. Now I'm going to have that fans back. And then now we're seeing across sports. I know in the MLS, they started having fans back. Of course, in the NFL, some are, some teams have fans. In college, some, th- you know, some schools have fans. And then it goes from let's have some fans and they'll just be socially distanced to let's have fans, to no mask, to they're getting very close, to that Really? <laughs> Nobody knows what they're doing. And this is kind of going with just the bubbles. You really can't put football in a bubble because there's too many people. But the, my biggest question is just from, if you have, especially down south, because I play college football, their fans travel obviously farther than pro fans. If you got Alabama or Texas or Giants, you got people traveling yeah, hours right. and miles. You don't know where people are coming from. You don't know if somebody's coming from a t- especially college. I'm fresh out of college. Tailgates, pregames, all that. You don't know somebody might be touching a, a bottle or a cup that's been touched 50 times over in the last hour and they go yeah. into the stadium high-fiving fans. Their breath, their germ, you know how we yell, their breath and germs are spewing on in the air. It's in the state. It, it's, it's just kind of, it's interesting. You can kind of take so many routes of this, but overall, I'm okay with fans having a little bit of, a little, I'm, I'm okay with fans being there to a certain capacity, maybe 10 to 15%. But what we saw at Texas A&M and Florida State, and even with, it's, with, it's kind of, okay, cool, well, I'm in trouble. Let's all get in trouble. Like, that's what college football is. It's right now, literally, you have the Mountain West, Pac-12, the MAC, the smallest SVF conference. Then you got the Big Ten. They're all coming back in the next two to three weeks. So everybody's saying, well, I'm cautious. But, hey, forget it. We have money to make, which is the biggest, which is kind of obvious. A lot of the schools got money to make. You're, you're telling me I'm going to miss a March Madness, which makes money for all the conferences, millions of dollars for each school. And now you're going to tell me I'm going to miss a fall football season? Pretty much the two biggest ways a school can make money. It's not going to happen. So it's not like I understand that point, but it goes to the bigger picture. Money and ratings and a lot of stuff is on the line. And I kind of feel bad for the student athletes. And even the older coaches like Nick Because honestly, Nick, if Nick Saban did not want to coach this weekend, he probably would have been home. But of course, the AD and some pop people probably kind of pushed him out there. But overall... I'm okay with a short amount of fans, but with just everything that's on the line between profit and money, I'm not comfortable with everything going on normally without putting the student athletes and their parents and even the student managers in line. I feel like this is more, okay, cool, let's fill up the ratings, let's fill up the schedule, let's, okay, we, we got to make sure we send a team to the college football playoff, so we got to fit in our whole conference schedule by the middle of December, hope we make it. That's inconsiderate. It's very, it's very inconsiderate. So it's good to have football back, but if you kind of turn on the social lens and look at it from a social standpoint and just a cultural aspect, it's very uncomfortable. Uncom- very uncomfortable. That's a great way to put it. I mean, looking at the the fact that we do see so many people just disregarding, and and as you said, like it, 
I I was feeling this way when back when in the Pac-12, the players were openly like raising concerns around health issues and concerns because it's like, we are out playing, risking our lives to make the school money, which is exactly what like the professional players were complaining about as well of this cycle, this institution, this system where you are risking the lives of those you're profiting off of at their own expense to make money for your school, to make money for your program. And at the end of the day, is it worth the risk? No, nobody's life is worth the risk of you know, COVID spreading and COVID outbursts. And I am very concerned, definitely. But I, I know you mentioned college basketball. I do want to get into that. I know we've been talking specifically around college football, but of course it's October. So coming up, we head to the hardwood, talking about college basketball, the future and our predictions coming up for this season's basketball in terms of will college basketball be back or not? March Madness or no March Madness? Right here on Locked on Wizards. Let me tell you guys about the delicious treat that's going to allow you to snack healthy. That's right. You can do both. If you know me, you know I have a sweet tooth. I enjoy cupcakes, cookies, brownies, all of the sweets. And Built Bar actually has delicious flavors. Let me just run down some of my favorites. Cookies and cream, double chocolate, mint brownie, salted caramel. Yes, caramel, not caramel. And peanut butter brownie. Delicious. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew and they're healthy. So it's great if you are on a keto diet or working to lose or maintain weight, you can do all that while snacking on a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And I definitely recommend Built Bar. So if you head over to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, you'll get $10 off your next order. Now you can save money, eat healthy, and eat delicious. Doesn't get any better than that. So go ahead on over to BuiltBar.com to try the best-tasting protein bars. And I can guarantee you, from me to you, you will not regret it. It's Monday, and you're listening to our college edition of Locked on Wizards. I'm your host, Renee Washington. We've been talking around college football because it's exciting that we are having college football back. Tailgates might not be the same. Games might not be the same, but it is football, and we've been seeing plenty of excitement on the field. Well, let's head over to the hardwood, looking at college basketball. Now, we all know that sports started shutting down last spring around conference tournaments, and the start of what would have been another exciting March Madness. So this year, the question remains, will we have March Madness? Will we have college basketball? Let's start talking around college basketball. We've got Stephen Michael Thompson Jr. here, the owner of Season Media, digital content creative, who has been on the show talking around college football, now looking at college basketball. College basketball is is supposed to be starting soon. I know some teams have been starting their workouts and and getting back to practices and stuff like that. Now, we have been focusing a lot on what's going on in the fall, what's going on. I know there's some colleges around the country that have canceled some of their programs. Um, LaSalle University, my alma mater, actually canceled a number of their programs. 
or postponed some of their fall and winter sports. Do you think, I know we weren't even planning to go down this road, but I definitely want to get your thoughts. Do you think college basketball is going to fully happen? I know there's concerns. We didn't have March Madness last year. We cannot have two years in a row of no March Madness, but we also know COVID unfortunately is projected to only get worse this winter around cold and flu season, around people, even the holidays. I was talking about this with someone the other day. The holidays, how are we going to tell people to socially distance during the holidays? The most wonderful time of the year when we are supposed to be with our families and loved ones to now say, nope, stay home. You can't see anybody. <laughs> I mean, I'm nervous. Not only am I worried about college football, but I am terrified for college basketball. I don't know about that. Um, all I see on Twitter right now is the, is the abbreviation MTE. MTE in college basketball language is multi-team event. You see tournaments and events start off the college basketball season. You have the Bahamas Showcase. You have the Maui Invitational. So right now, with a lot of non-conference games, with a lot of conferences, they're canceling non-conference games. And a lot of teams are scrambling. Okay, you have a bigger school. Okay, cool. We're hosting an event on our campus or in our city. Let me contact a couple of mid-majors or a couple of major schools so they can come and play in an MTA, a multi-team tournament. So right now, a lot of schools are scrambling. Okay, cool. What games can I keep on my schedule? And what games in terms of multi-team events? Because multi-team events, it's kind of saving money. You're basically in the same place and you're playing three to four teams within three to four days. Win-win for everybody. So Firstly, I'm like, when it comes to November, December, multi-team events, how is that going to work out? Are you going to bubble yourself? Right. What happens if, you, if you're coming from a state where you have to, once you enter the state, you have to quarantine for two to three weeks or a week and a half or whatever. So when it comes to the non-conference schedule, it's interesting. Conference schedule is more common because a lot of conferences are regional, but conferences like the Big Ten, Pac-12, SEC, where you have to travel a couple through one or two time zones or a couple regions to get to your destination is going to be interesting. But how do I feel about college basketball? I feel like with the WBA and the NBA, even the tournament, the tournament, I have to give them their respect. The tournament, you know, the million dollar tournament, they were the first official sports league outside of the MLS to actually start and to finish a bubble for sports. So we've seen for basketball, a bubble is perfect. It works. But if we're talking about always target finances in college athletics, between being a student leader on campus and work for athletics, I understand it from a financial standpoint. Can all these schools afford, if they have to, to put their student athletes and managers and coaches in a bubble to make money for the school? So we're talking about multi-team events. We're talking about traveling. Oh, this game is still on. We're still facing. Okay, that's great. That's beautiful. It's, okay, it's great. It's cute. Great. Cool. You got it. But if what if you're at a multi-team event and somebody on a team catches COVID and you're in the middle of the game, do you start? Do you stop the game? What if it's conference season? And for example, what if Ohio State is traveling to Maryland, but Maryland, which it was for a while, Maryland is very high. And COVID numbers and some of the student athletes or coaches don't want to travel to Maryland to play. Mm-hmm. What if this is the case? It happened in college football. It, it kind of, some people reversed. What if you have players, top players, top NFL, NBA, any type of draft you want to go to, top tier players saying, hey, uh, I'm just going to focus on the draft and I'm not going to play this season. Mm-hmm. What if COVID and flu season just gets very crazy with COVID coming in and a player, they start the season but they finished it. They don't want to finish the season. Then to make it worse, what to say, hey, um, I only played a couple games with you all. So I'm calling NCAA. I still want my full year eligibility. 
and this is another thing with spring sports and March Madness and even fall winter sports, just overall, side note, um, the transfer portal. Yeah, so you NCAA is giving thousands of athletes another extra year. They probably can transfer again due to COVID. Then you still have people transferring before COVID, and you still have a giant crop of high school seniors Ugh. will be called freshmen coming in. So overall, you have too many people eligible to play your sport. Multi-team event, who and what's going to happen. Conference season, are, I love me some ACC, but the ACC, now growing up as a Maryland fan, the ACC was basically from Boston College to down to Miami. Mm-hmm. Now you have literally for, up from Syracuse, <laughs> you have Syracuse, Boston College, Pitt, and you're going all the way down to Clemson, Miami, and Florida State. You have multi-region conferences traveling to play Mm -hmm. two to three games a week. So you have too many eligible players. You don't know what you're going to do for non-conference season. Your conferences are huge. Plus, with March Madness, if we make it there, I'm just going to pray very well that we, I hope we make it there. Who's going to pay for the bubble for March Madness? Is it going to be right. conferences? Is it going to be for the NCAA? <laughs> actually, you know, me, if you can understand the price of lodging for that many players, too. This isn't they, the NBA my, or the WNBA where they have all this money saved up. Where is that coming from? You know what? Basically, what I'm getting from this is the already lingering question of will they be able to bring back college basketball you just opened up a whole can of worms for a lot of unanswered questions of things we don't know i do know some some programs like ivy league programs and certain conferences actually are not even allowing players eligibility to carry over next year so they're not even allowing them this this fall season for teams that didn't have a fall for example some programs like ivy league schools there is no red shirt year. There is no additional year. They're done. This is like, they don't get that year back. First of all, I think that's awful. Awful. As a, as a, a former college athlete, I cannot imagine, imagine it's hard enough with injuries and all other things to be told that you never even get a chance to play that year. COVID ended and you don't get it back. That's awful. Now I kind of understand it, especially in an Ivy league school situation where they're more academic driven. It's not athletics that are really, driving their school in that sense but it's to me that's terrible but as you mentioned there's going to be a need to find a way to make all this work the multi-team events to me sound like a a great idea but a terrible idea at the same time (laughs) because you are having them travel from all over but as you mentioned how does this work do they have to come down a week early and quarantine for a week and then they play kind of like we saw in the other in the NBA WNBA bubbles do they just travel down and they you know it depends on how they actually set that up so a lot of what ifs, a lot of things we're still unsure about, and a lot that we have to still see what happens, Stephen, because it's I'm hoping and praying as well that we can have everything safely return and continue to, fi- to finish out because nobody should have to be in danger and, and risking their lives and dealing with COVID. Well, we've got to get into more around professional sports. So on our Tuesday edition of Locked on Wizards, we will have Stephen back on the show. Stephen, I'm excited to have you back on as we... Shifted to the pros. We've been talking around college football and basketball. Well, up next, we've got to get into what's going on in professional 
basketball for the NBA and the WNBA in our Tuesday edition of Locked on Wizards. So hit that subscribe button because we will have Steven back on the show for part two on Tuesday as we continue to discuss what's going on around sports right here on Locked on Wizards. I hope you have a great rest of your Monday. Start the week off on the right foot with a great day. I am looking forward to having you back on Tuesday as we continue talking around professional basketball. Have a good one, everybody. I'll see you next time. Washington out. 